1: SHUT
0: UP AND SIT
2: DOWN! Welcome to the third episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. I'm your host Adam Miller, here again with my co-host John Borsma. Um, This week, because most of the hunting seasons are coming to a close... And you're kind of in that, that period where you just put your gear away and maybe, maybe step away for a minute, um, get into family time or, um, maybe you're one of the diehards that's out there and now, now starts your season and it's going to be scouting and all that. Um, and, and that's kind of the way that we're leaning. But, um, right now we're going to focus on, um, our gear and kind of, um, the gear that we have, the kind of, um, how we got there as well as, um, any of the changes that we're going to make. So right now, um, you've had the whole season to say, man, that string, maybe I should, you know, maybe I'm about due for a new string or maybe you, you dropped your bow out of the tree or, uh, something like that. So, so you're going to be looking over your gear now. And now's the time where you've got all summer to make the changes and get everything right so that you're not doing it two days before the season or something like that. I mean, actually here in Michigan, uh, we were talking to a guy down at ATA who, um, is really big into the conservation and big into the deer polling and things like that. And he was telling us that the number one day for, um, license sales, in michigan is the day before the gun opener right November 14th so so that that kind of tells you you know of all the hunting uh all the people that hunt in michigan all the hunters you know these guys are going out the day before the season and deciding that they're going to buy their license so that kind of gives you an idea of maybe where the the median uh prep time is uh here for uh hunters in michigan or at least for gun hunters Uh, so we like to think that uh bow hunters are a little bit maybe more like us and a little bit more um prepared right um and we're talking uh wheel bow uh trad bow hunters not the not the crossbow hunters i think crossbows traveled into that realm a little bit but uh we'll just let that one lie uh, oh, yeah. here for a minute but uh um i wanted to start out with um the the site that we were talking about uh, the last time is called the carbon fixation site. We, we went through and found all the information about it. Um, and here is uh, the company and it's Buckrub Outfitters and they're over in Wisconsin. And I did contact them um, and the sites, the one that they had at ATA was one of their prototypes and they're making uh, one or two um, changes for that site. Um, and they should be available um, the middle of March. They did give me the number for, Um, the guy that we talked to, um, and they said he'd he'd love to come on and and talk about the site. Um, so yeah, here's, uh, and for, this is up on YouTube. I'll put this, uh, the flyer up in front of it and it kind of shows everything. I've got it on our Instagram, um, as well. Right now it's under the old, um, RX Outdoors Instagram, and I'm either going to make a new one for Bowhunter Chronicles, or I'll just switch the name over and. You know, if people get pissed off, well, I guess we're we're not looking for them anyways. But uh, it's the same stuff. Um, but that that's the site. That carbon fixation uh, retails about one hundred and forty dollars. So uh, I mean, as we get into talking about our gear, I think you'll see that one hundred and forty dollars for a site is kind of. I mean, a hundred dollar site is pretty much the norm. That's that's yeah. kind of like the floor um, as far as the, the sights go. So, um, and then we've got another project that we're going to get rolling into, um, here coming up real soon. Um, but I think we'll, we'll get into that, um, here in a little bit. So John, what, what, uh, what were you shooting this year? What what was your setup? So
1: my setup this year was, I, uh, ended up picking up the, uh, white double XL, which is this, the big version of the, uh, protify it and so I got it in 70 pound limbs and the draw length goes from was it 31 to 33 inches so currently right now I have it in the 31 and a half inch and then I'm shooting the old carbon blade by fuse that's the uh, my stabilizer and I have the um the knock the knock-on elevate rest which is actually made by AAE and then my sight is see this one is the excel true ball excel and it's the let me take it off here it's the AccuTouch carbon pro and the sight itself is the AV41 scope housing and during the season I shot a blue uh number 10 pin or point point01 which actually was a little bit I mean it worked great in uh, uh, most lighting conditions but when it got down to low light it definitely had to have the light
2: which I I bought with it so but it's super light carbon so the 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 bow is pretty uh, self-explanatory I mean you're you're kind of handcuffed as far as what you have to shoot. As far as what what bows are out there that afford you the draw length, right? That that's, you need.
1: That's when, it's always been a problem for me. Like I always wanted, you know, back when Matthews, I years ago, I shot Matthews, and it was, I think I might have even touched on this in the first uh, episode, but but yeah, it was. It's always been tough to for me to find a draw length. You know, the new bows come out; it's always thirty inch, thirty inch, thirty inch, and so. Just in the last couple of years, it seems like they started uh, coming out with bows that the longer draw guys could shoot. So,
2: so with the with a long draw bow like that, are they only flagship bows, basically, that they make in that, or do they have like a more economical um, um, option? I think some of them do have a, like the lower
1: end, but I'm kind of the <laughs> look, yeah look for the top, but but no. I, they, I'm, you know what, I'm not quite sure on that one, but like last year, last year I shot the Bowtech, the Boss, and that one was, that one went to 32 inch, I think it was. I can't remember the exact specs, but that was the first bow I bought since my Matthews Q2XL, which was, shoot, that's been, that's over 10 years old. And I know there was some in the in the middle, but it was just, that bow shot great until yeah, I got a lot of review, or I read a lot of reviews on the Bowtechs, and it was actually the—I um, can't remember the name of the one before that—but the Bowtech was the first one
2: for me, anyway. And and so I guess, like I say, that you're you're pretty much kind of stuck as far as that. But with the other accessories, you know, you you change sights right before the season, or right. You, well, you know. I
1: changed well last year during our indoor league, which starts in January. I shot I shot the Bowtech, and I had the HHA uh, Optimizer Kingpin, which was a great sight. Yeah, and
2: that's the same thing that I've got on right. that bow hanging right there. Super super sight. Uh, and I had, I
1: it was the Trophy Ridge, it was the SmackDown rest I was shooting, which was another really good rest, but it didn't have the micro adjustment, So when we were shooting the targets and stuff, not so much indoors, but I know we were going to the Total Archer Challenge, so I wanted something where I could do some micro-tuning, especially for the longer yardages. And I wanted a little bit lighter sight. That's the one thing about the HHA. It was a little bit heavy. And being the, you know, we just weighed our bows, and mine was six, 6.6 pounds without a quiver on it. And that was in the hunting, you know, frame basically. Um, so I wanted to cut a little bit of weight where I could, so that's why I
2: picked the carbon, you know, Excel. But yeah, because that's a a single pin, and right? It, and it had, it's got a bunch of different uh, options as far as like what you can put in the scope. You can use a single pin. You can put a crosshair. Right. Put... it actually comes with it comes with a single
1: up pin, and then it comes with a crosshair with the circle in the center. And so you just, I mean, it's, just takes seconds to unscrew the, the housing on the front, and then you can put a lens in. You can remove the crosshairs. You can shoot, you know, just the the pin itself, just the crosshairs, or you can shoot them both. And so that there there was more options,
2: you know, with that one. And your your wife's not listening. So what is that, <laughs> <laughs> that Yeah. that sight run? this site was um,
1: I believe it was 369 or maybe it was 379 for just the base model with uh, the 10 size pin and then I added the, the light which was I think 30 bucks and then I la- I added a lens for a four power lens which was like another hundred
2: dollars so and I think out the door it was 500 bucks yeah so uh, it, just for frame of reference I mean we're talking 140 bucks for this site or that bone collector site with the light that i've got for 90 bucks right i mean you're looking at something i mean this carbon site you were super excited about like when we saw it so it's it's not like it has to be expensive no um to be to be good Uh, it just all depends on like what distance is what you think you're going to be Right, um, and what, this what one, the use is going to be
1: you know the HHA had you know all the, the micro the windages and stuff on it too and this one has I actually like the wheel I think a little bit better because you can it had like a magnifier on it and everything this one's just a straight vertical with the you know just a pin on it that you roll up and down but it does have some it has the, your third axis and all the leveling abilities plus you can take it off you know like if you're traveling and you want to, you know, make sure this doesn't get banged up or, you know, you can pop it off, put it right back. It's got, you know, positive locks. So Are they
2: all dovetail models or no? just the one this, that you the chose? the one I
1: chose was the dovetail model. You can get it in, I think my brother actually has, he has the older, the last year's model. And that has uh, this, the standard aluminum sight and it's got like three different
2: notches for uh, your length on it. And then, with, with the stabilizer we were shooting super long distances. Did you adjust the weights or anything on that? Or how did you where's that one at?
1: No, this one was just the one I used for hunting. So when I when we were up at the Toll Archer Challenge, I was using a thirty inch carbon bar. And that yeah, I've I've got a bunch of the little well, stainless steel weights. And so yeah, I adjust that. With and then I was running a V bar or a sidebar too. So but I could probably get away with that even. I mean, I shot all fall without it, you know, or up until season. I think I took I took the bars off right after the toll archery challenge and just started getting ready for out in season. And you know, I was practicing at ninety yards all summer up until probably a month before season, and then I pushed a, I got up pushed it up another ten yards, so I was shooting hundred. I was pretty consistent with just a short stabilizer.
2: And what do you have the bow uh, set at as far as poundage and... um... Right
1: now, it's maxed at uh, 70 pounds. I think it might even... When I built those strings, I actually... I built that set of strings, I built a half inch, well, not quite a half, like three-eighths of an inch short just because I wanted to change the valley on my drawing because i wanted to go back a couple notches and uh so that actually i
2: lost a little bit of uh, my peak poundage and so what does that shoot ibo and with your arrows where are they shooting or should they be shooting um
1: honestly i haven't shot it through the chronograph so i think the ibo rating is like 330 but my hunting arrows we just weighed it and it was 550 grains so they're not even... They're probably in
2: the 270s. I would say they're probably less than that because yeah. that bow is um, 62 pounds, I think, when you set it up. And my arrows are... What were they? 417. Yeah. 437. Um, 437 with the lighted knocks. And doing the math on the 437, that bow, IBO, is 334. Right. And... I'm somewhere in the like the two, two sixties, two sixty-five. So I mean, you're you got a extra three inches of draw length. So right. you're probably in that same. Realm. Yeah, it's
1: probably. Like I said, I haven't shot it. It's not. It's not fast, but it definitely.
2: It... We'll talk about that a little bit because the speed isn't really what's important, right? So when you listen to some of the experts and things there is a like a perfect range where the arrow flight is the most stable and that's i believe somewhere between like 275 and
1: 285 or 289 somewhere in there yeah well i mean i, I don't i'm not expert on any of that i mean i just i guess pretend to be but no, but no the, the faster your arrow the fa- the the more your the more susceptible it is to tor- hand torque, or you know, you got you got to be perfect on your shot. That's like that's what would happen with the bowtech I had, you know, especially during during the indoor season. I was shooting these arrows, these I was shooting this exact same arrow. We just weighed these, and they were what four ten, and any little torque, in that arrow was you know inch and a half, two inches off, and thirty yards, where my heavy arrows. You know, not nearly as much, you know, maybe a half inch off. But that was the difference in speed. It's almost like dry firing the bow with these, you know, especially for my draw length and draw weight. But, you know, they're going to, this would be something for the 3D shooter in an unknown yardage. When you're judging the distance, you know, say you're off by a few yards, it might not be as critical with a lighter arrow because it's shooting flatter where if you're shooting a known distance, you know, and I every time I go out in the woods, I got my rangefinder, I'm always ranging, I'm trying to range a deer, if, you know, before the shot. But if not, I've ranged, you know, all the little spots around where my shooting lanes are, so I'm going to have a pretty good idea on it. But the I think the most important thing with your arrow is and your bow is making it quiet, you know. You want your arrow to fly as quiet as possible. And I know there's guys like Randy Almer, John Dudley, um, Mike Slinkard. Those guys have done a bunch of testing on arrows. You know, four fletch, six fletch, three fletch, uh, four-inch veins versus the short, high-profile profile veins. And matter of fact, I think Dudley, he's his wife and son shot the six fletch, uh, Randy Almer also shooting like a six fletch with a pretty heavy helical in it and they did sound testing and that was actually the quietest arrow that they could and see that like those guys are shooting you know out west and they're shooting you know out 60 yards and they're shooting a fixed most of the time fixed blade broadhead so that's giving them the stability just like the rifling in a you know gun barrel so that I guess outweighs the speed thing you know there's a some guys you know I guess it's a lot of to do with the personal preference some guys will swear
2: well you gotta have fast bow you know speed over weight. but well that was one of the things when I when when I was looking at all the new bows at ATA and the specs there were some bows like what what's that company it was APA or something like that there was one APA yeah. it had like a that Mamba or something that was like 370. Right. And it's like, oh my gosh. But those bows seem to be overlooked by maybe the bigger companies, but, you know, speed wasn't what was really selling. It was the lighter bows and no shock. Right. So, and that probably plays into the the quietness right. factor. Right. If you got a bow that's, you know, making them
1: big old quack when it goes off then you know it's definitely this the deer going to hear it your your bow and arrow are not faster than the speed of sound so there's nothing you can do that you know so the louder your bow the, the more they're you know so that you want to quiet it down as you know the best as possible but so that's i i just prefer to shoot a heavier arrow i mean i got the draw drawing and draw weight where I can do it and still being fast enough, you know. Where some guys that you know are shoot that have shoulder problems and can shoot only shoot like say fifty pounds, well then they're not gonna be able to shoot a super heavy arrow. They're gonna have to find one. But
2: isn't there a balance there? Because the like my sister for example who shoots like forty pounds she should be shooting the heaviest arrow possible for the kinetic energy factor
1: right for her boat too but it also i mean she she might have a say a 30 30 yard max range then too you know what i mean where that arrow's still gonna get there in time but you know i don't know the exact like i said i don't know the exact all the ins and outs of it but i just know what i like to use and i've listened to a lot of the podcasts and stuff like with john dudley and and what they prefer, and I just, you know, kind of follow what they, what they say, and it seems it's, it's worked for me.
2: And that's, I mean, when he says he follows what they do, um, I think, you know, we're just getting into our, our indoor league right now, where we shot, this our, this will be our third week Wednesday, and um, last year, it wasn't a week that went by that it wasn't a different arrow setup, different <laughs> Fletch, for Fletch. Three fletch, big fletches, small arrows, large arrows. Um, this year, I think maybe the ice fishing's a little better, so the the fletching hasn't really got there yeah. yet. it's kind of been on the back burner. I just, I was actually
1: just shooting my bow in the garage before before Adam got here, but that's the first I picked it up since last Wednesday. Now last year, like I said, we didn't have any ice, so I was not an ice fishing. But I've actually ice fished for the last five days. So, but yeah, I thought tomorrow. I'll probably end up heading to the club and, you know, use the shop there and work on my bow and
2: maybe do some tweaking here and there. And so the setup that I'm shooting is I picked up, um, so so last year we shot um, Indoor League and I was shooting um, a three-pin fixed sight, um, Trophy Ridge, just from Bear. Like I said, that... The bow that I shot for the last three years, I think, was a bear encounter that I got off the shelf, They're ready-to-hunt package at Cabela's for $289. The reason I went with that bow is I really liked uh, bear's platform, so um, in 2000 and I think 2004... I bought a brand new um, reflex growler. So Hoyt came out with their reflex line and that was their cam and a half. And I bought, I bought that bow and it was light years ahead of the 1990s PSE sprint that I was shooting. So I, I I moved to that and it was a a great bow. And then my dad transitioned from his herders to uh, (laughs) uh, something from this millennium and, um, he was looking at uh, different bows and at that time Bear had come out with their Truth model and that was their flagship thousand dollar bow and he shot it and really liked it and my brother-in-law bought the Bear Code which was the model right underneath um, that Truth and it was I think $400 maybe somewhere in there and the bows shot amazing. My dad's bow was longer axle to axle. It was a little bit faster but the vibration dampening that they had was amazing I mean they were light years ahead of even the bow that I had bought and you know maybe being that it was Hoyt's first year with that riser with you know that cam and a half system that may have had something to do with it and so I said I was when I was ready to get a new bow um, I was going to buy um, the new bear model and that was the first year Um, that they had come out with, um, they replaced the cable slide with, the the hinged, um, cable system there from getting the Hoyt or the, the reflex in the first year. And, you know, then shooting my dad's bow and thinking, well, maybe I don't want to get the first year's model. Um, I'll wait one year and let it, uh, let it go. Well, uh, one of the cables broke on that reflex when I was shooting it and the bow exploded and, uh, it's pretty, pretty wild. Luckily, you know, it wasn't hurt and there was an arrow in it. So all the energy transferred and the arrow shot into oblivion. Um, but now I was faced with, I need a bow. We're a month out from going to Ohio for the first time. And so we're going out of state. I need a new bow. I need a new bow right now. And, it's one of those things, and it, it's one of the things we're going to get into here in a little bit um, with the new series that we're starting. Um, but so when you buy a new bow, so the, those those bears uh, were $1,000. And this is, I think, it would have been, what, 2014 when we went to, mm-hmm. to Ohio the first time. So you're going to drop $1,000 on a bow, and then are you going to put all your old crappy sight and stabilizer in that. And so, you know, we just talked at John's site. It was, you know, $500 by the time he got it set up. This site uh, is hh Optimizer Kingpin Light. I think it's like $350 or somewhere in that realm. And so you can, it, it all of a sudden spirals into this $2,000 deal right before you're already going out of state. Um, you know, fortunately, Ohio's tags aren't very expensive. But anyways, I started looking at the specs on all the bows and, uh, my father-in-law in 2012 had got a, a Matthews Healy M and I looked at the specs on that bow and the specs on that Baron counter were almost identical. So I thought, well, for, you know, less than $300, I'll have all brand new stuff. And it has the same IBO it has the same brace height, you know, it's the same axle to axle, and I don't know what the weight was, but it couldn't have been a couple ounces different. So I bought that bow and I hunted with that bow for for three years or four years maybe, but I shot it last year during the, the leagues and it was really like a, an eye-opening experience because I saw generations of equipment there. I saw everything from not the herders, Bow, but the next model up. I mean, there was this this team that had a ball shooting archery, and I'm not going to tell anybody not to do it. But it was like they stopped at a garage sale on the way to the, the 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 shoot for the handicap and said, you know, why don't we why don't we do this? I heard about this archery thing, and they were shooting them into the walls, shooting them into the ceiling, <laughs> skipping them off the floor, all the way up to, you know. You've got John here with a new set of arrows every week, uh, different sight, different aperture. We're shooting lenses, verifiers, clarifiers, things I'd never even heard about. In My shooting was fine, but it wasn't nearly as good or as consistent as the other two teams, as the rest of my team and uh, the other team that we brought with us. So... I decided then I needed to get another bow and I came across this bow and this is a 2016 uh, Bear Arena 34 and uh, it was used and it had a new set of strings on it. I probably wouldn't have chose pink and blue strings, but um, so I, I just bought it from a guy off of Facebook and had him ship it to me. And um, I gave it to John and said, Hey, can you set this up uh, for me? And the timing was way off. Uh, we had to adjust the timing. Um, we had to change the draw length a little bit. And then once we set the timing, we paper tuned it and got it all set up. And then then I started to build what accessories I was going to put on the bow. It came with this uh, Trophy Ridge HDXL that was brand new. Um, we set that up, but I don't. I, I wouldn't recommend it. I, it doesn't have anything to capture the actual arrow so it just kind of sits in there and then there's supposed to be something that goes on your riser um, that glues down and that stayed on for about a week and then then it came off while I was shooting the bow not it, it didn't shoot it didn't come off um, while the arrow was in there uh, but actually when the bow fired it went flying off and I had to go find it and I would just prefer something that it was actually stayed there and so even when that was in there when you draw the bow back the arrow kind of rattles around here and there so I had to put moleskin all up and down the riser and so it's just not I'm sure it's a great sight for some people but it's not not what I'm looking for yeah (laughs) rest it's not a great rest um, for me and so after seeing those guys, John was shooting the HHA optimizer kingpin light last year, and I'd shot a HHA optimizer in the past, but it was the friction-based sight, kind of like on the, the carbon fixation. And with the wheel, it is, I mean, just so easy. And, you know, as a, already discussed ad nauseum, it has the algorithm for you to just... You shoot it at twenty, you shoot it at sixty, you do a little bit of math, that's your sight date. and it's it's fairly close. It's I mean it's not perfect, but it's right. it's fairly close. Uh, but that sight is amazing. But being a single pin sight, it has its limitations. So for hunting out west or or shooting three D or, or or long ranges and and wanting to to test yourself it's a great it's a great sight but when you're at when you're in a tree stand and things are happening fast you still end up having to do the Kentucky windage holdover or pin gapping or whatever you want to call it um so that's why I'm looking into at least an uh, a two pin option but I do like the ability to dial it in to the longer distances because I like to shoot longer distances and it's not always exactly 50 exactly 60 exactly 70 whatever um and then i've got a nine inch uh carbon fiber hunter limb saver um stabilizer on here and i'm shooting uh i've got the uh, he dog cam protector on the bottom which i got uh, from the bow hunter box club but i had been looking at them prior to that and it, it came like right the day we are leaving for the total archery challenge and i didn't want to put it on there to to change risk change it up when I was going to make my first shots over, you know, 110, 120 yards. Um, but it hasn't changed anything on the bow. And for turkey hunting, it's going to be perfect because we are always taking one glove off and setting our cams on right. our gloves or or, or whatever. Um, so I'm really excited to have that on there, and it hasn't changed anything with the bow. Like I said, this bow IBO, I think, is somewhere around like 334 or something like that, and I'm shooting uh, Black Eagle Outlaws, and these are their most inexpensive arrows, and I w- never heard of the company, and I found out about them through Bowhunter Planet. Like I said, these aren't like go to Walmart and find them on the shelf, and I, don't, and I they probably have them at Cabela's, but you see more uh, Easton's and... Uh, carbon express things like that but uh, i'd never heard of the company so i asked john about it and he said uh, yeah i don't know i've heard about them and this is their like i say this is their cheapest arrow and he said i yeah i think the gritty bowman i think uh aaron sure. snyder was talking about him and so he sent me a link to their youtube video on it and uh i, I looked and sure enough, he's got a whole barrel full of them. And he says, you know, I'm sponsored by Black Eagle. They just send me arrows and I can get whatever I want, but I get these ones. They're the cheapest ones. They fly consistently. They're almost indestructible. Um, you know, why not? And they're, they're not the heaviest arrow. They're a little bit light. I've got, uh, 50 grain, uh, brass inserts in there to get, you know, to get me up for that, uh, the weight front of center that uh, that i'm looking for um and and it gets me up in that that 420 uh, range which by putting it into the algorithm it ends up being you know right about that 289 you know should be should be somewhere in there for um that the stable flight so i mean that's that's the setup that i'm shooting and i think you know i'm a bargain hunter so the bow i picked up but the bow in the in the in the rest for 350 the site i think i paid 200 dollars for which is a, a really good deal and i think i got 25 bucks into the the stabilizer there so the whole setup on on this bow is probably about the same price as john's sight and rest uh, i mean honestly
1: yeah well the the rest um I said it's made by AE for John Dudley. So it's the knock on version and he calls it to elevate. And it has some it has some stuff that, you know, that he wanted on there. Like the it comes with it comes with different blades. So like right now I'm shooting the whale tail and it's the drop drop away version. And it's also got like you were saying the capture. So on mine, on this rest is the same as the the regular AE also, but you flip this thing up here and now it holds the arrow in place. And then as you draw and comes up, it pops off. And it's it's magnet and I have a little bit of mole skin underneath, but it's it's pretty quiet. Nothing's going to hear that. But what's nice about this rest is it also comes with some, comes with two different uh, lizard tongues or like the target. Mm-hmm. And so you can, Put it into the fixed position and shoot it with the lizard tongues so it's it's kind of a it's perfect for me because i'm always changing stuff so i don't have to go out and buy another rest it was a little more expensive it was 200 200 for this version and this was the uh the first edition so now they have the 2.0 he calls it and so it's got a different whale tail and it's also has it has a different cage which if you look at you can see it if you look at the video uh my cage is broke. Both of them actually. It comes with two. It came with a half cage and a full surround, and they both broke. And I think now the new one has an unbreakable, like it's got new material wire or something, in it where they can bend it around, so it's not gonna break. But it's got super adjustment. Just loosen up this bolt, and it's actually got a micro clicker on the bottom that you can use, or you can use a screwdriver on the top.
2: So it's same
1: so- thing with the elevation.
2: So when you're doing that, so when you're making those, um, little changes, how do you, I mean, is it just trial and error or is it, um, cause here, here's one of the things for me is like for the, for, for rifle in archery for me, couldn't be any more farther away on the spectrum so i can shoot targets all day with uh with my bow i don't have any problem knowing what to do man if there's an animal out there (laughs) i am just you know a, a horrible shot like it all goes to shit like just immediately and with a rifle it's 100% one hundred percent the other way. Like I don't shoot targets very well, but I don't have a problem um, shooting game at all. And the reason that I'm asking about those micro adjustments and things like that is it in the moment or not? Because so I was, I was in the Marines uh, a long time ago and on the rifle range, like the day of of shooting like when you're qualifying i'd be consistently hitting right or right or right and in my head i would always think that it was something that i must be doing and so i never really had the confidence to go ahead and adjust the sights because i was like the, the gun can't be off it's got to be me because yesterday i shot just fine and today you know so so that's where my question lies is because Obviously I didn't put this on there before I went to the total archery challenge. Like I don't mess with my bow every week because I want to be consistent. It all goes out the window when adrenaline's involved, but with a with a rifle and there's an animal out there, it's no problem. <laughs> but but as far as you know, making repeat shots over and over and over again and and, and changing it up in the moment, I always think it's got to be me versus the equipment. Right. So,
1: well I mean, obviously, a gun, it's just, you know, you got a whole lot less moving parts. I mean, you got a bullet, you got a chamber in the barrel. But with a bow, now the adjustment for the rest, that's when you're setting up, doing your initial setup. Like, I'll get my bow and say, I got my new rest. I put it on there. I adjust my center shot with, I'll take my, I'll put an arrow on there, get a bow square, and I'll measure it with my calipers and just get it to, you know, square as possible with the, with my eye. And then I'll shoot it through paper and I'll check, you know, left tear, right tear. And then I'll start adjusting my, my, uh, windage or the, the, the rest left to right. Well, until I get it to the right spot. But I mean, you got hand torque and you know you got to make sure that you're shooting for them for one before you start doing any of the paper tuning if you're torquing your wrist or if you're having someone else paper tune your bow completely different that's you know i like when i set up your bow yeah i paper tuned it to what you know where i was shooting bullet holes but that's when when i was done i'm like you know now i got it tuned as far as i can get it now you got to shoot it we'll tune it for you i mean that's how you should properly do i mean if you have perfect form, form, you know, similar to me, it should be real close. I mean, you're gonna, or if you put the bow in a shooting machine, yeah, it's going to be perfect. And so then you could adjust your the 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 rest, you know, one way or the other to get the right tear up and down, left and right. So once you get that set, then like the windage, like when I'm shooting, if I'm out shooting, like last year when I was shooting leagues, you see me, I was. i'm shooting consistently left well maybe it's just my hand torque that i'm doing so i'm gonna adjust i adjust my sight for that windage and then maybe the next day well now i'm shooting right so i'm i'm cranking it back but that's just it's in the moment you know you got that's the one thing i used to be scared to death i'm like i'm not gonna move my sight you know what well if you're just if you're consistently shooting that day left or low just make a little bit of adjustment Sometimes just a couple of clicks, like I think on this one here, or maybe even on the HHA, it tells you it's like, I think it says. Yeah, this is I think
2: an eighth inch at. Uh...
1: Yeah, one click is is an eighth inch at 20 yards. So, you give it two clicks, and you're at a quarter inch, but it's. I think it's mainly a mind thing. You're know, like, oh, a couple of clicks, and then now you're holding. But but yeah, I don't. The micro tune is just, it's way. It's way easier to set it all up. It's like without a micro tune on your on your rest, you start loosening stuff up to move it over, and you might only need that little tiny uh, notch, but there's nothing there. So you, all of a also you moved it too far. And then you go it's like the micro tune on like this one, you loosen it up and then it's got little clicks and it just you can just fine-tune it perfectly. So that's 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 a nice feature of that
2: rest. Yeah. And, and so, like I was saying, I think this leads in, that leads in really well to uh, something that we've got coming up here. Um, So, so for this, and I mean, who doesn't want another bow, but uh, I'm going to pick up another bow. I shot that, uh, that carbon icon at ATA. And it just basically solidified the fact that I want to, I want to shoot one of those bows Um, and because I'm cheap and, you know, this podcast doesn't pay for doesn't pay for itself yet, so um, I'm going to pick up uh, a carbon night, which is the predecessor, and so basically it just doesn't have. It's the same riser, same limbs. It just has uh, the cams previous to the to Botek's new binary cam system, and if I understand it correctly, the binary cam system is just has the performance mode and the comfort mode. Correct, a little bit. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, so, so basically it's just the older cam technology, but it's the same, you know, the same, basically the same bow with a different, little bit different cams. So I'm going to pick one of those up used and it's going to be all set up, um, for, uh, you know, whoever I'm getting it from it's, it's their, their tune. Right. right? And so, what I'm, what what John's going to do and what we're going to do, is I'm going to have him, you know, set up a camera and basically deconstruct this bow, kind of show you what to look for if you're buying a used bow, uh, go over like some of the things that you need to to look for, and then basically rebuild and tune it. And you'll be building a, a string for that bow, correct? Yes. So you're going to be. So I'll be, I'll take the old string off, like,
1: on all your bows come with. A tag on the bottom or on one somewhere on the bow, usually it's on the limb, and it'll tell you your cable length, it'll tell you uh, your string length, it'll tell you your bus cable, you know, or control cable to all the links. The one thing it doesn't tell is uh, your, the diameter of your string, the diameter center serving, your end servings, uh, the lengths of those. So, what, I, what I'll do with that is I will take it all apart and I'll measure everything out, and then I'll just build it to spec, you know, and try to match it up as exact as possible. And so the length of it, you know, if you're a little bit off, we'll be able to put some twists, and that's all part of the the final tune, you know. We'll shoot 100 arrows through it, and then, you know, check the tune, check the the, uh, timing, and we'll just go from there. But, yeah, so we'll... We'll go through the whole thing, kind of like what we did with this one. You know, this one it was already had the new strings on it, and so like I said they just threw them on. They didn't they didn't do any tuning with it basically because it was
2: it was like a half inch off on the on the timing. And so maybe you guys are out there and you're saying, oh, I'm not going to build a string. Right. I'm not going to. I don't have a bow press." I'm not going to be able to do that. But what this is also going to show, like I said, is, is to actually look and see what you're looking at. But by doing that, we're going to set up a new rest. So we're going to be able to look at the center shot, the left and right, any of that micro tuning he was talking about. And then that'll give us a good platform to test out some of these things. So I think one of the things we definitely want to test out is one of these sites. I've already got that uh, bone collector site that I want to, I want to test out for, for the money. I think it's a really great site. Um, but without shooting it, I can't say one way or the other, because it might, it might have the micro tune adjustments. It, it does have that, but it, they might be very clunky or the gears may be junk or, or it might not be as accurate as you would, you'd like those adjustments to be. Um, and so you'll, you'll be able to see, well, What happens, you know, maybe you've never shot your bow through paper before. So, I mean, when I, when I bought that new, uh, reflex, I never even knew that paper tuning existed. So I go over to, uh, my father-in-law's and he says, well, he's got, we've got a doorway and in the back of his garage and it's taped off with newspaper. And he's like, shoot into that it it should probably hit the site and i'm like what are you talking about <laughs> or it should hit it, sh- it should hit the target and i'm like what do you mean and he's like well just kind of aim right there okay just launching arrows into the woods and then we're looking at it and oh yeah it's a little high over here it's a little low so we didn't have a bow press we weren't um we weren't putting twists in the string or anything like that, but it did help us with whether our knock knocking point was too high or right. too low. And then, you know, so John's going to show us how to do that as well as you, you tie in your knocks before you do, uh, uh, my D-loop. your D loop. Yeah. And, and so what's the purpose of that?
1: Well, the reason I do it is because if I have a problem with my D loop, cause I shoot so much and then where it start wearing it out, then I can replace my D loop without having to worry about changing my knock point. so it's kind of a convenience thing and it also it'll uh, kind of helps create less pinch I mean the possibility of pinch on your knock so it gives it a little more room to you know to move. it, it does you know if you look if you can see mine in the video I'm not sure but it does it is a wider d loop now so it does give it a little more uh, chance to torque your string so there's you know goods and bads with it but i just kind of i prefer that method
2: yeah so so for you and who are you thinking well i don't have a bow press i'm not going to be able to do any of this it's all really practical things that you know in in talking about what we're going to do for this show and and, and kind of uh things to do about that he said you know yeah well i can build another string and 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 we'll have it but I can stress the importance of keeping that other string because if you, you know, and throw that in your bow case, because if if you're going out of town or you're going, like, say, we, we go to Ohio, I go to the UP, you know, we're planning on going out west, and you go out there and you nick your string, and the nearest bow shop is in Podunk, wherever, and, I mean, the places that we were in Ohio, there was. Right, and even if there was yep. a shop, they probably didn't have a string, you know,
1: there's to fit your bow, I mean, what are the odds that they're going to have that string and cable set for this boat, you know, for your bear or for my Hoyt? They might not even be a Hoyt dealer in the area or a bear dealer, so. But they'll have a bow press. Right, so they'll have a bow press. Or, like, I have the old Bowmaster, which I usually keep right in my case. And pull out all this. Sorry about the background noise. But, like, this this is the old Bowmaster. And it's a portable press. Like, this will fit in the solid, the solid limb bows. This just goes right in the Y by the cam. And then you adjust it with... It's really adjustable. It's got the little knobs. And that slides up. So you adjust it. And then can crank it down. And it takes enough stress off the limbs where you can do the work on your bow. I mean, it's not the best, but definitely doing a pinch. And it also... I bought these, and these are for the split limbs. And so it will actually work on this bow, on on this bear. It will not work on, like, my Hoyt because it's beyond parallel. So, I mean, I could probably make it work, but it would be pretty sketchy. And, you know, but if it was – I still carry it with me. You know, I had it with me all hunting season in my box just in case because you never know what's going to happen. I mean, it's real easy to take your – Arrow out of a quiver. If you're looking at a deer and doing something, and bam, just it only takes a little tiny tap, and you lose a couple strands on the string or cable, and you could be in trouble.
2: Well, yeah, one of the guys that we hunt with um, two years ago was raising his bow up, and it hit the uh, hit one of the steps on the ladder stand that he was um, sitting in. And he, he said he always gets up in his stand and draws his bow back. Well, when that bow hit hit the ladder, it nicked one of the cams, or it, it dented one of the cams, and he drew that bow back and the string let go and just exploded. And so now what? Right. Now you
1: got a damaged cam for one. That's another thing you should always, like if you drop your bow or if you hit it, especially if you hear any metal, and you hit your cam, you want to take a look at that. That's a really, you know, critical point. If you nick your cam, especially at that channel, and you pull that string through there, it's just like a, a razor knife. And it only takes a couple little strands to, especially at that, you know, the force that's going through there. But, so yeah, that's, you know, take it. The, the key with it is when you pull your string off, you know, like say we pull the string off this bow here, we're gonna leave the D loop. You know, obviously you wouldn't mess with that. But I would even leave your peep sight in it because it's tied in and you know it's there. It's not gonna go anywhere. What are what's a new peep sight? Nine, eight, nine bucks or even less depending on what kind you're shooting. Put a new one in. That way you have that completely ready for a backup. Then as you take it off, you don't let any twists out. You just take a paper clip. And you put it through the loops and you do that with your cables as well. And so now you know that when you took it off, it's still in the same, you know, configuration when you go to put it back on. So you should be, you know, right back to a decent tune for a hunting situation. I mean, you know, obviously you're out shooting targets or something that would be, you know, in a tournament. And you're going to have
2: access to all that stuff. But in a hunting situation, they'll definitely do in a pinch. So that's one of the things, you know, we're getting each one of these podcasts up on the YouTube, but we're going to start, uh, putting a little bit more, uh, content as far as, you know, dealing with your bows, looking at different products, um, testing stuff out because as regular guys, that's where we get our information. You know, it's not, yeah, this year is an amazing year already off to a great start. You know, we were at ATA, we got to talk to a lot of these companies and we got to talk you know, we got to ask the questions to the people that are actually selling the products. But even there, they're selling you the product. So, you know, when you're going to spend your money on something, it means more, I think, when somebody who paid money for it is telling you that it's good or that it's not. Right. What
1: what our opinions as, you know, we are the average, you know, user. You know, we want we want the best for our money. Get our, you know, the best bang for our buck. And, you know, I don't think we'd, my hunting arrow, we didn't, I didn't say what my hunting arrow is. Mine is the, whoops, it's the Eastern Axis. I'm shooting the 300s and I'm shooting the full brass. I think it's the 70, 70 75 grain, 75 grain insert. So that's giving me, and I'm shooting the, the uh, Rage tri 100 grain heads with a nocturnal, uh, lighted knock so that gave me the
2: 550 grains but, but yeah so and so i think that pretty much covers everything um as far as our bow setups and and in what we got what are you changing now john what's uh, for the indoor uh, Or, i mean what are you not happy with right now or are you just gonna you're gonna run that i'm gonna all run it. The, the one thing, like I said, I shot the
1: single pin scope, which it's just, you know, like you said, it's, it's not really practical, especially for Michigan. Our shots are, you know, we're not going to be shooting out to 60, 70, 80 yards. You know, we're hunting in the woods or tight stuff. So it's mostly 30 and less. So I, that was the other reason why I picked this site is because this site, Actually, you can pull this scope right off and they have multiple, they have like a three pin version scope and a five pin version scope that I can just slip in there. I mean, they're not, I think it's like 179, 189, like 179 for the three pin, 189 for the five pin, but it fits right into this housing. So I'm basically, I can go back and use this for my 3D or outdoor stuff and I pull that off, put the five pin in and I can shoot that for, you know, Michigan. Or if we're like when we go out west, I'll have a five pin plus I can adjust it and use my bottom pin as my long long shot if I if I you know feel the need. But and then I can also you know, like I said, we like shooting long distance just for the heck of it. I can adjust that bottom pin down and
2: just as long as I remember to put it back to the And that's the thing. <laughs> that's you gotta remember to put right. it back because if you don't, you know, even with these you know, how many times have you gone from, so our, we shoot seven stations that are indoor and station number three is 30 right. and every, basically there's a, it's from seven to 30 yep. in, you know, whatever increments, but 25 and 30 are the only adjustments that I make on my bow. So at 25 and at 30, I set it at 25 and 30, everything else from seven to 20, I just use a 20 yard pin and it's, it's right there. So how many times have you went from either number two to number three or number three to number four without changing that just because you're talking or not right. paying attention and then all of a sudden you're high or low quite a bit. Oh,
1: inch and a half high on a, you know, oh, man, I forgot to look at
2: my pen. Yep. And so, and tape. so that's that's the beauty of, you know, the the hybrid sites and it's the downfall. So right. th- those adjustable ones. Um, and you know, for me, I'm excited about uh, getting that new bow, getting it set up. Um, you know, because everybody likes you know to switch it up and do something different. But with turkey season coming up, that lighter, shorter axle axle bow for inside a a, a tent, right, is going to be yeah, this exciting. You know, my
1: bow was like a big old <laughs> clodhopper inside that tent last year. I mean, but that's it's just how it's it goes for me.
2: Yeah, there's a there's a, a screen capture of that uh, hunt <laughs> on our uh, on our Instagram, and uh, I've got to get that edited because um, there's a lot of good footage. I mean, we had turkeys around us all over, and then I just muffed it. I mean, it was 22 yards. And I shot right over top of him. One of the one of the fletchings clipped him in the back, <laughs> and he flipped over, and oh, it was just. But, I mean, the, we had turkeys gobbling. We had deer in there. We had turkeys surrounding us. Yeah. Um, It was a good day. I, I'm really looking forward to uh, to turkey hunting this year, and we're definitely going to be filming and, yeah, I and think getting that up. This year we'll have a more, we'll be
1: more uh, set up and ready to do it. It's kind of a spur of the moment, you know, last year. Like, hey, you want to go? Yeah, let's
2: tape it. So this year we'll be. Yeah, should, this year should be pretty much, I don't know, seamless, I would say. Um, We have a better idea of what we're going to do. But so with our turkey hunting, I mean, John's killed a turkey with a bow. I'd never even uh, attempted it until last year. And I, I turkey hunted just about every day of the season, every chance that I got. And I got a lot of good video. I got a lot of birds gobbling. Uh, it just never really came together. I mean, I had, I, I was, I had two and a half hours every day before work. You know, I'd get up at four in the morning, get all my stuff, drive out there, get all set up, and I had until eight thirty, and then I had to leave. And whether there was turkeys there or not, I I had to go to work. So I had, and I was going to shoot the first turkey that I got the opportunity to, just because it was an opportunity with my bow well what ended up happening is i had right at about 8 30 two jakes at three yards right in front of me but they were right in front of the camera and the tripod so there was no way for me to to get an arrow over the camera or, or i mean they just stayed right out where i i just couldn't couldn't Great make shot. the shot and it was just stuff like that and then i mean these the, the day with john the turkeys were everywhere and they at first they didn't come in they came in they stood behind this tree and they turned around and
1: yeah, at first they those three they left and went back behind mm-hmm. us and then frank called them and they come back out and then i think they almost came back again
2: no there was a whole other set that come through and they end up circling around they yep. just didn't come there was a big big long bird that uh, long beard that was leading them that was a really big bird right. and then those another set of jakes came right behind them but but we the, the way that i g- grew up was not ever turkey hunting until i met my wife and then you know my father in law grizzly adams is you know mr turkey caller traveled around the country calling for Rod, calling benson. For Rod benson so he's like oh yeah we should go turkey hunting well The way that I see turkey hunting now is all the archery guys, for the most part, have a tent set up. They roosted the birds. They did all this. No way. You get some coffee. You wander out in the woods. You listen. You call. You listen. You drive around. You call. You listen. Then you go somewhere. You call. And you probably won't hear any birds. And that's the spot that we go to. And then we go and we sit. And then, like some sort of wizard... He calls him right in, and you shoot him. And it, it, it was never ever. We roosted him. We had a blind set up. I this year is the first year I ever hunted from a tent, from a blind, from from anything. And it's always been just straight up run and gun, right? You know, sneak and peek and well, see what see what happens. Well, it's always year, chaos. <laughs> right.
1: Well, this year we might be trying something completely new. If, yeah. If things work out, we'll we'll bring that to you. I'll just give you a little hint that we might be trying something kind of crazy
2: yeah it'll be good for video for sure it'll yeah. it'll be a whole nother thing but we you know as far as uh turkey hunting is concerned i'm really excited and um so in michigan um there's three seasons and the first two seasons are i think they're 10 day seasons uh they might be just one week they might they might be a week but the third season is the entire month of May and you're kind of limited basically the top half of the state is all um all lands you can hunt anything and the bottom half of the state is you can hunt only private land you can't hunt you can't hunt any public land with this tag but it's over the counter tag and you get a whole month to chase turkeys instead of um, just a week, right? But it's you know depending on the
1: weather and how the birds have you know reacted. Sometimes it's a blessing because the bird you know if it's terrible and they haven't started you know gobbling and you know really chasing, then it's good. But if it if it's over, and a lot of times that's happened with with me, is by the time that season rolls around, the birds are pretty much shut down, so it's just a lot it's a lot of work
2: yeah and that's and maybe that's why it's always been the running gun and not just like first day slam dunk because i I, i've had that that too where you know you go out there and sit down and you call and there they are right you You just just shoot them it's you just hear you hit the call and you know we walk out on the
1: two track trail 100 yards you hit the call and you just hear gobble in every direction
2: it's like (laughs) sit down get ready Yeah. I mean, again, super fortunate that, I mean, I've always had a caller and I'm now I'm a decent caller and I've called in a bunch of birds. I've called in birds that my dad's killed. I've called in birds for my brother. I've killed some of my own, but it's nothing like having Frank there because he's, it's like, it's like a chef. He sits down and he sets out all his kitchen knives. He sets out all his calls. And he, it's like we're gonna give them a little bit of this. We're gonna let give them a little bit of that. Oh, they're not going for that. Well, we're gonna give them this. And just, oh, yeah. oh, it's it's a regular old uh, concert, right? Of turkey. Like tell,
1: just like how he tells stories, <laughs> he's telling the story to
2: the turkeys. They get some gobbling. So, so yeah, yeah, I think that's that's pretty much it for this episode. Um, Coming up, I will be getting in contact with uh, those people on that site. And uh, for February, um, probably the first episode in February, uh, we're going to have Jason Felt from Bowhunter Box Club on here. And what he's agreed to do is he's going to give us um, the box for, I mean, I'm paying for it. I'm just going to get my box a week early. and he's sending me that box so that we can do a live unboxing uh, on the show with him. And then we're going to record that um, on a, a separate camera. And we'll put that up on YouTube. Um, and he's going to explain to us about um, the products that are in there, why he chose them, and the process um, that he goes through for, for picking the, the items for the box so Jason, what he does a really good job of is he wants to bring you items that maybe you've never seen before, or items that you may have um, that you might walk right by um, while you're in Cabela's or you're you're at the store because you've never heard of it or there's no information. So these are these are products that he's he's trying out, you know, for the first time, um, kind of along with you, and he's trying to get the names out for these companies. And he did say that February's box is the uh, highest value box to date. And they're usually about $70 boxes. So, I mean, this is going to be upwards of $70, you know, plus, And it's for $40. So um, if you want to go check that out, that's at bowhunterboxclub.com. You can use um, code CHRONICLES. And that helps our show out um, a ton. Uh, but I really, you know, John's seen the stuff that I've got But, uh, I've been getting the boxes I pay for them every month and it's something that I just really look forward to, um, getting bow hunting stuff, uh, every month in the mail. And it's something I don't even have to think about. So whether I was at the store browsing the shelves or not, I'm getting new stuff to try out and it's a pretty good deal. I give them as gifts and we're going to be giving away a three month subscription um, or three, three months worth of boxes, um, and a giveaway coming up when we have Jason on here. And so stay tuned for that, but you're going to get March, April, and May's box shipped right to you. So one person's going to win that, uh, courtesy of, uh, Bowhunter Chronicles. So if, if you're interested in that, um, check out our Facebook page, Bowhunter Chronicles on Facebook, and, uh, there'll be more information on that coming up soon, as well as the, uh, the the backyard yard sale bow build uh series or (laughs) whatever we're gonna call it the pawn shop (laughs) (laughs) yeah see but uh i think that's pretty much everything we got uh for this episode and uh stay tuned uh stay tuned we're gonna be up on itunes uh here coming up probably after this week um so you can subscribe to us on itunes um here coming up very shortly uh thanks for listening the Warner chronicles podcast see ya